welcome back to The Haunting Hour. My name is Ryan Brown, your co-host here at The Haunting Hour, and joined as always alongside my brother Tyler. Ty, how are we doing tonight? Brother TGI Tuesday. I kept thinking today was Wednesday all day. Nice, it is only Tuesday. Why is it being Tuesday better than Wednesday? I thought you were going to do the uh, the Andy Bernard uh, TGI Wednesday. Oh, Am I right? The, uh, <laughs> what you up to? Nerfing. Nerfing. I'm going to go home, get my beer on, get my lost on. What you up to later? You want to hang out? He might be the most underrated character pre-season five of all time. Oh, yeah, because then you actually, you kind of like hate Andy at first, but then you start to, well, oh, then you hate him again when he becomes the boss too, I guess, but. I, re- I fucking hated him when he came back from his boat trip and he had the super long hair and he was like, that he, awesome. that was the worst Ed Helms I have ever seen in my life. You know what's kind of crazy? The weather contingent on what it is either sets me into like the spookiest mood pre-podcast or it's like. Eh, I'd rather be out day drinking and, you know, going for a walk or a hike or something like that. I only say that because today it is perfectly dreary. Does make me very excited to uh, jump into the podcast tonight, um, especially when you know you're covering like a super scary topic. It's just, you know, it adds a little bit of zest to your day. Ironically, we are covering my personal favorite urban legend of all time. So tonight we're going to be discussing swamp monsters, specifically the Lizard Man. The Lizard Man. Yes. I've never even heard of him. It is a an awesome uh, little urban legend from South Carolina, from the Deep South. Um, it's just about a seven-foot-tall lizard-looking motherfucker. I'm in. I can only imagine what a seven-foot-tall lizard man coming out of like a swamp chasing you would be like. No, thank you. So before we get too far into the actual lizard man, I wanted to ask you two questions. First, do you find swamps scary? I do find swamps scary, and I've always found swamps scary. They're scary as hell because they're like dark and smelly, and if you get stuck in the muck down there, you could drown easily. Um, But the other two reasons, one, The Werewolf of Fever Swamp by R.L. Stein terrifying book to read when you were a seven-year-old eight-year-old kid um and then it was scooby-doo i looked it up this morning but i forgot his name already um the ghost of captain something it's the um the scuba diver the yellow bright scuba diver guy who comes out of the ocean or like a swamp um and then he just chases down scooby-doo terrifying when i was a kid those are like two two main reasons my ptsd is coming back why swamps are so inherently creepy I will one-up you with the R.L. Stein Goosebumps books. So The Werewolf of Fever Swamp, I think, had the cool, one of the coolest covers. Oh, and like one of the most visceral covers. It was just a literal werewolf sitting in the middle of a swamp. That's either number one or the other number one is uh, Welcome to Camp Nightmare with the tent and the, the guys like reaching around. The oh, tent. That, that was, that's my number one scariest, I think. I'm with you on that one. Um, but, but I bring up R.L. Stein again because... Um, one of my other favorite ones from him that really prompted in me how scared I am of swamps is uh, it's called You Can't Scare Me. So that's the name of it. And the photo on the front are three muck monsters coming, like rising up out of a swamp. And they look so fing 
humanless. Like if they get you, you're you're going to get ripped apart. Was that one of the newer ones that came out? No, that was uh like his early like I don't I don't want to say season, but like volume three. Oh really? Uh, you would recognize the picture. I'll show it to you after this. It's okay. an orange cover, and there are three muck monsters coming out of the swamp. It is, it is just so like I don't want them to touch me. <laughs> And, like, they will do the worst things possible to you if they get you. I know what I'm putting on a poll for Instagram tonight. Um, what's your favorite R.L. Stein Goosebumps cover? And I'll, like, post a bunch of them. But it also reminds me of your uh, short story. What the hell? Um, the title that we did on the Haunting Hour Scary Stories when the um, muck monster tries to eat the little kid. Yes, uh, Batwing Hall. So the yes. reason I wrote that was because I'm so afraid of swamp monsters and swamps in general. Um, I agree with you. I think swamps are scary for a multitude of reasons. Number one... You, you never go in swamps to play. So like woods and forests and fields and houses, like even abandoned houses, you as a kid or you as like a teenager go into, you never, I never uh, go into swamps to like play like tag. manhunt or tag or whatever it is. And I think the second reason I don't like them is because everything in it is rotting. Everything minus the animals that you can't even see uh, is dying. So to think of something coming out of that, something supernatural or paranormal coming out of that, just it, it's a nightmare for me. That is fear right there. That is true fear. And before we jump into the topic tonight, guys, we got a really cool piece of news um, that me and Tyler found out uh, two or three days ago. Ironically, when we were at the Driveways concert, who, if anybody's never heard them before, go look up Driveways on Spotify. They are a local Massachusetts band, and they have... A plethora of songs that cover different spooky types of topics. Great band, great band live. But what I was trying to get at is me and Tyler have been invited to be vendors at the Warren's Paracon this year, and that's happening October 29th at Mohegan Sun um, in Uncasville, Connecticut. So they reached out to us and told us that they were looking for some local people to put as vendor list just to uh, spice it up a little bit. And they reached out and said that we should apply. We did. And we got the spot. So that's pretty freaking awesome. And other things that are going on at the Paracon, the entire Warren's Occult Museum will be on display. And that means you get to see the haunted wedding dress, those haunted pearls we talked about. The Annabelle doll is going to be there. As well as, for the first time ever, Arnie Johnson, who me and Tyler did a full episode on and what The Conjuring 3 is based off of. He is going to be talking about his experience, um, and it's going to be freaking wild. As well as our boy Nick Groff's going to be there from the original Ghost Adventures. And it's just pretty awesome that me and Tyler got invited to be vendors there. And I highly recommend to anybody to check it out and go buy yourself a ticket and come hang out with me and Ty. Yes, you will be able to buy some merch from your favorite Brown Brothers uh, podcast, and you will be able to take pictures with us. We're also hopefully going to have a really fun, uh, cool horror-related game to play, so maybe like a, a horror Jenga or like a, a pin the axe on the... Jason Vo or the somebody's head. Yeah, something <laughs> like that, or a machete. I'm telling um, you, the Jenga's a good idea. Oh, I think that's, that's brilliant. Yep. Um, and we'll, you know, if you get there early, we'll give away some free stuff, so... Reach out to us if you guys have questions about it, and we'll obviously post a lot more as it gets closer, but we are so stoked to have been um, invited to this thing. Like, I didn't want it to be October already, but you gotta wait a couple more months. So there are many swamp monsters. Obviously, you have things like the creature from 
the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. You have these mud, muck, creepy uh, monsters, kind of like that one Pokemon that I can't think of right now. Um, Mudkip. Oh, yes, that's right. So you have monsters like that. You have the Werewolf of Fever Swamp. And then you have one of the coolest, I think, and scariest urban legends. You have the Lizard Man. So they did a great depiction in like the 1998 cartoon Spider-Man. Kurt Connors, who was a brilliant scientist, turned into this lizard monster. And they actually did a pretty good rendition of it in the Andrew Garfield's The Amazing Spider-Man. Until he started talking. And I'm like, there's a giant lizard talking. I was like, what is happening? Yes. In the cartoon, though, the lizard had more of like a crocodile face. And the legend that we're going to discuss, that is what they said this lizard man had. So the lizard man of scape or swamp. Even as we move into an increasingly scientific age with little room for magic or the supernatural, there are still regional folklores that persist around the world. These legends are often passed down orally through generations and have become ingrained in the collective consciousness of the communities in which they are born. Even as we advance our understanding of the world through scientific exploration, there's something special about sitting around a fire and telling stories of ghouls, ghosts, and all kinds of monsters. One such local folktale in the U.S. is that of the Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp. It's the story of a half-lizard, half-human hybrid that has been terrorizing the community of Bishopsville, South Carolina, for almost 100 years. So let's talk about the first documented case of someone interacting with the Lizard Man. And we go back to this all the time here at the Haunting Hour, how in tune the Native Americans are with the land and the things that live in the land and on the land that us colonists and white settlers really aren't super attuned to. Um, And not so ironically, the Creek Native American Indians were the first to interact with this Lizard Man. This happened in the early 1900s. So the Creek were a Native American confederacy forming the largest division of the Muscohegan family primarily who lived in Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. According to Myths and Tales of the Southeastern Indians by John Reed Swanton, in 1929, the creek encountered a human-sized lizard in the area. So I have the specific quote, and forgive the not-so-perfect English. Several Indians were out together and formed a hunting camp. A hunter came back one evening and said, I have found a big bear tree. He told the rest of the hunters, and they said to one another, Tomorrow morning we will set out, build a fire there, and smoke the she-bear out so we can see her. They slept, and next day started off and came to the place. When they got to where the big tree stood, it looked as if something lived in there, and they said to one another, A bear surely lives here. So they started a fire under it. The smoke filled up the hollow inside, and soon a giant lizard came out. Jesus, that's creepy. The people saw it and ran away. The big lizard jumped down and gave chase. It ran along till it caught one of them. It came with him to the big tree and threw him down into it. Then it chased another and did the same to each in turn. Overtook, caught, and brought them back. Only one survived. Good lord. wonder why he's bringing him back, to eat him or just to like... It seems like a lot of people to eat. I would assume... 
it's just super territorial. Yeah. I, th- I feel like most reptiles are. Mm-hmm. If you get in their space, they'll fucking come after you. Of course. I feel like any animal. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's especially uh, like a predator. Yep. But can you imagine if you were the one, like, if you s- threw the smoke, the fire down into the hollow and then you were waiting for a, like a, a giant she bear and then this fucking lizard comes seven out? Seven foot weird looking uh, humanoid lizard. Yeah. Starts running after you. I would be sprinting for the hills. Oh, my God. So that was the first official um, occurrence where a group of people actually interacted with the lizard man. There were between the 1920s, the late 1920s, and the early 1980s, um, a lot of sightings, but there weren't many interactions. And this all occurred in the southern part of South Carolina, which was that Bishopville area. The real documented case that uh, vaulted the lizard man into the media spotlight uh, happened in 1988. Okay, so about 45 years ago or, or so. So as the story goes, on June 29th, 1988, a local teenage boy named Christopher Davis was driving home from his job when he blew a tire just outside of Scape or Swamp. When the boy got out of his car to see what was wrong, he suddenly noticed a figure emerging from the water. What he saw was seven feet tall, soaking wet, and had scaly green skin. It also had red eyes and three sharp fingers on each hand. Terrified, the 17-year-old hopped back into his car and tried to drive away, but the creature caught up quickly. At first, it hopped on the back of the car, but then crawled to the front and looked down at the driver. The lizard man snapped the front fender of the car in half like someone might snap a toothpick. It tore into the sides of the car and ripped off the radio antenna. Finally, the boy was able to shake the creature loose by quickly driving forward and then reversing, and he was able to drive away safely. So not only is this thing terrifying aesthetically but it's fast and it can rip your bumper like a toothpick so and it's strong if you had to like cut through the swamp for some ungodly reason if it was quicker to get home and this thing comes after you nightmares for a year to me it sounds a lot like a more upright velociraptor yeah it seems like it's bipedal yes absolutely um but i think that it is just super predatory for it to have to jump onto your fucking car and hold onto your car and then look in at you through the windshield and it makes it seem like it's intelligent because yes. it's like looking at you god it makes it sound or it makes it seem like it has like an actual not a human conscience but it has a higher conscience than most animals that we discuss for sure so when the boy returned home he was so shaken up that it took his parents over two hours to calm him down Sheriff Liston Truesdale, the acting sheriff for Lee County at the time, said that they dispatched two deputy officers to investigate the incident, both of whom reported that they'd never seen the damage of that kind done to a car before. That's spooky. That's terrifying. Sheriff Truesdale also said that the 17-year-old witness came from a responsible, respectable family, and he even passed a polygraph test. Wow, so they actually put him up to one? That's crazy. And also, what we like to say on the show sometimes when we're discussing these kind of things is that you got to have a really, if you're making up this kind of story, you got to have a really, really sharp imagination. Like a lizard man's not a common monster you think about. I'm picturing more of like the creature from the Black Lagoon that looks kind of like a fish, but something that looks like half crocodile, half lizard walking. Your imagination has got to be pretty out there for you to come up with the story on the spot. This makes me think that this kid witnessed something like that. Right. To that same point, it's not like he claimed to have seen Bigfoot. Right. Or 
aliens or something that was more mainstream. I mean, this thing hasn't really been spotted in years. That first incident was almost 1930, and then it was seen sporadically between 1930 and 1988. But this seemed like a completely different or more aggressive lizard man. So in the month that followed the Davis sighting, there were several further reports of a large lizard-like creature and of unusual scratches and bite marks found on cars parked close to the swamp. Two weeks after the Davis sighting, the sheriff's department made several plaster casts of what appeared to be three-toed footprints, measuring some 14 inches in length. But they decided against sending them on to the FBI for further analysis after a biologist advised them that they were unclassifiable. According to South Carolina Marine Resources Department spokesperson Johnny Evans, the tracks neither matched nor could be mistaken for the footprints of any recorded animal ever. That tells you all you need to know right there. I could not. This is exactly where I was reading, where I I was convinced that this thing is somewhere in South Carolina. So there are a couple more um, sightings of the lizard man that are super compelling. So the next one happened three weeks after um, the police made those castings. See, now that sounds like to me somebody faked this one because it was already out in the media. So they're like, "Ooh, I'm going to I'm going to make up a story just to add fuel to the fire. And this one doesn't have much evidence, but it is just an eyewitness account. Okay. Uh, So on August 5th, Kenneth Orr, an airman stationed at Sean Air Force Base outside of Bishopville, filed a report with the police saying that he had encountered the lizard man on Highway 15 and that he actually shot it and wounded it. Yeah. Okay. Me too, buddy. He also presented several scales to the police who gave them to that same biologist who could not classify them. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. A family reported seeing the lizard man in mid-September of that same year. Um, They called the same Sheriff Truesdale, who brought three or four of his deputies to the scene with him. And at that scene, which was at the back end of one of the family's farms, they found trampled trees, three 40-gallon drums that had been dragged from a dump, crushed and then scattered in the road, and they found additional tracks that were similar to the castings that they made uh, earlier that summer. Why is the lizard man so infatuated with like uh, human things? Like he wants the bumper of your car. He wants some big old tubs of stuff. Like he's just walking around grabbing random shit to bring back to the swamp. Yeah, I. So my whole thought process with that was that maybe the swamp was slowly being not maybe not drained, but uh, his environment was being just. Taken away? Yeah, uh, with developments around it. Or, oh, okay, gotcha. Um, and he was trying to either take things from them or scare them off of the land. Or maybe, what if he was once human and he was going back to, like, I don't know, get something that he wanted or he used to use as a human or something. So at the end of the episode, I want to get your opinion on what you think happened with this. I have my own opinion. At this same scene, though, the sheriff uh, called in three bloodhounds which was super smart, I think, in his case, which did follow the tracks that they found on the the land, which led to a certain part of the woods, but then the bloodhounds refused to go any farther. Really? They wouldn't budge, the sheriff said. He said, and I quote, something in there scared them. Whatever this thing was, it was scaring everyone who saw it, end quote. Well, there you go. There's that classic, uh, the classic tale that animals can see ghosts or they can like sense supernatural things more than a human can 
and bloodhounds specifically because they can smell like from 40 miles or 50 miles away, whatever it is. Something crazy like that, yeah. Yeah, and if they catch a scent of something that could hurt them, like a bear, for example, or a lion, there's no way they're going to walk towards it even if the person behind the leash is saying, you know, keep going. That's spooky. And now I'm picturing like they're stopping in that spot with all the deputies and then off in the distance, the lizard man's actually watching them, but they can't see him because they're too far out of eyesight to see it. Ooh, man. Let me tell you, there's a movie in here somewhere, and uh, I just want to bring it up because it was part of, I think, our childhood. And again, it was one of the reasons I think I was so infatuated with lizard monsters and swamp monsters. I know where you're going with this one. The Legend of Gatorface. What a flick. Oh, man. If anyone has never seen it, I looked it up. It is on Tubi, which is free for everyone. You oh, just, yeah. You literally go on your laptop, you go to your browser, it. and right in Tubi, and then you can watch The Legend of Gatorface. Genius movie. It's based, I think, off of this. Yeah, it must be. It's very similar to it. It's just two kids who pretend to be this Gatorface monster, but there actually is a monster. Um, but I feel like a 2022 rendition of this movie, if it was an R-rated horror movie, oh. would be my favorite movie of all time. Brutal. Remember when they ollie the giant alligator when they're skating down the whatever big hill it is? Yeah, I think his name was like Big Sir. Oh, that was, was revolutionary. And I am almost positive that because it was in like the 1990s, they ollied a real alligator. Oh, oh, it wasn't a uh, machine. <laughs> so things ended up quieting down for about a year and a half. So there were still sporadic sightings of the lizard man, but he wasn't seen as prevalent until in 1990, in the early summer months, he was spotted by a couple, Brian and Michelle Elmore, when they actually had to swerve off of the road to avoid a giant dark creature that jumped out in front of them. So I thought that this maybe would have been like, could have been a bear in the swamp. Could have just been a human or something who needed help. Yes, but they said it was upright and huge. Hmm. So bigger, I'm guessing like bigger than an actual human would be, like seven feet. Right, or like something that was 6'5 or 6'6. So the next real occurrence um, that happened with the Lizard Man happened in 2008. Wow, really recent. Very recent. There was actually one that's right after this that we'll get into, but in 2008, a minivan sustained significant damage, which was eerily consistent with those of the other vehicles that were said to have been attacked by Lizard Man i.e. a chewed-up fender, twisted metal, bite marks on both sides of the grill. Additionally, around the minivan were six dead cats, one dead cow, what, and a dead dog. Jesus. So the family who was from New Jersey, they were visiting at the time. They went right to the sheriff who brought everyone out. This guy was, the sheriff's probably like, ah, oh, here different, we... F- different oh, sheriff. It wasn't, it wasn't Truesdale. <laughs> um, but he brought everyone out and they could not find a biological, or not a biological, but a an animal, like actually a, a biological animal that would have done this to the car and then the dead animals around or nearby. Doesn't sound like the animal ate him. It sounded like he just killed to kill. And left him near, exactly. ironically near this minivan that it decided to tear up. You nailed it on the head. It sounds very territorial and very predatory. And then the final occurrence happened last July. No way, really? 2021. See, okay, I'm cool with this because recreation increased so much during, like, when COVID was, not that we're technically out of it, but when COVID was, like, uh, regressing a little bit. Yep. Um, 
that so many more people went outside. So I bet increased sightings of Mr. Lizard Man here. So in Bishopville this time, which was right on the edge of the town, a van was attacked uh, in Lee County. Its damage was very identical to the uh, to the damage in previous cases, i.e., the bite marks on the fenders and specifically scratch marks on the um, the metal uh, back door frames. So, I'm compelled to believe that it can't just be a prank. No, because how do you do that to vehicles? Like you can't. A person's not going to jump onto your car, and that's like they could just end up getting killed. Like, nobody's going to take a prank that far. Right. So it's it's easy to maybe make this damage if there's no one in the car. Oh, yeah. If you have a knife, for example, and you can make those three slashing uh, claw marks. Yeah, but how do you twist the metal and everything? But how, yeah, how do you marks? bend a fucking fender? Yeah. And then, like, killing a cow and killing a dog and killing six cats is super illegal. Yeah, that's psychotic, too. Yeah, that's like, you have to be so messed up in the brain to even think about that right so i i don't want to chalk that one up to someone in like a giant gator costume um and then there were there were occurrences with each eyewitness account where i didn't really think it could have even possibly been someone right and my thing is they're all they all have similar traits each specific um incident has similar traits to the next one that spans the course of the last 90 80 years or so yeah um so it sounds like it's the same whatever it is it's the same thing doing the same type of damage or maybe there are multiple of them so that was my thought process too um and maybe they're just really good at staying out of sight yeah but i i want to believe there's like one or two it'd be way scary if it was just one but um things got to be old it's got to be of course, like 90 years at least, right? Yes, but don't... Turtles. Turtles live to be like 200 or something like that. Yep. So it's not really hard to believe that a giant mutant reptile is out there somewhere. And I only say that because reptiles were like the dominant species on this planet for millions and millions of years. Oh, yeah. Way more than us. Way yep. more than mammals. Um so I don't find it very difficult to believe that one or two or even a family or a herd of them did follow that evolutionary trail. They just veered off and instead of going towards the more mammalian side where we kind of came up from, from like the, you know, how we came from fish and all that stuff. Yeah. And then like turn into a hominid or an apes turns to the hominids and yeah. Yes. Uh, if it just veered off a little bit on that track mm -hmm. and it has similar traits to human beings, i.e., Bipe that bipedal yep. walk, yep. I'm sure they can communicate with each other if there are multiple of them. Of course. Um, so then, I, I don't find that difficult to believe at all. Right, and then a place like a swamp where you don't have that much human disturbance, maybe you still have like a um, a large availability of food that can sustain these types of creatures for 90 years or so. And even more believable, you have like 19-foot alligators that live in swamps so if there are food there that can sustain them yep then is it so hard to believe that a seven foot tall walking alligator lizard man couldn't survive off of the same food there's something so i know that's what the t-rex did velociraptors they were bipedal but there's something so wrong about an alligator walking on two legs to me it's so inherently creepy for some reason i don't know why so in your opinion do you think that this is a like a mutated version of a human or do you think it was like a scientist who in 1920 was 
doing weird stuff for World War One, and he turned himself into a giant lizard like Kurt Connors did. That story is way cooler in my opinion, but I would have no problem believing that some weird lizard thing took the evolutionary tra- uh, trail that turned him into this bipedal lizard monster thing that's haunting the swamp. Um, and out of all the things we cover, not that I, I, I very, very strongly do believe in all types of ghosts and everything like that, but this is one that I feel like the regular person should have no problem believing this type of legend. And I think the biological evidence that they got, the scales for one and the prints for the other, mm-hmm. and the fact that another animal, so not a human, so those... Um, bloodhounds? Yeah, I was going to say hellhounds. Um, so those bloodhounds reacted the way they did. I feel like this thing has to be tangible. There's all the evidence. I'm telling you, that's the evidence you need right there. And usually most cases don't have that type of sustainable evidence that you can like bring forward and show somebody usually like in Bigfoot cases, you don't really have much except like a little fiber, a hair or something. And that could be a deer or a bear or something. And yet this is still urban legend. So there's no confirmed uh, or denied sighting of, or legitimacy of the lizard man or the swamp monster of, or swamp. Somebody's got to just go to that place and litter it with game trail cameras. Like the night vision ones do like 15 of them in the swamp. So I feel like it would be smart enough where it could see the lens and it would just destroy it. Mm-hmm. Unless it was like a live feed, which would be fucking awesome. I would pay if that was like a live streaming, uh, like, hey, we're going to go to the swamp for six hours tonight, live stream on whatever website. I would be glued to that website. Take all of the money in my bank account because you 100% would see something that was that you didn't want to see. The question I have for you would be, would you drive at night by Skateboard Swamp knowing what you know about the sightings of the lizard man yes i would i wouldn't do it in the corvette because i don't want that to get scratched up but i would do it in the hyundai and i would do it very quickly um but i would keep my eyes peeled just to say i did it be like yeah i drove through there and then the second part to that question on the brown brothers haunting hour horror scale Mm -hmm. would you put this above things like bigfoot or the jersey devil or mothman as being scarier I would 100% put this higher. Um, I would chalk up like walking through the swamp at night and you hear like the splashes of this thing walking through the muck and you turn around and there's a lizard alligator thing chasing you on two feet. Yeah, that's a, that's a seven, eight all day. If it attacks your car, that's probably more of like a six, five in my opinion, but still scary because this thing is so silent, so stealthy. I would put this up there at like a, if I had to walk through the swamp at night, knowing what I know, it would be a, it would have to be an 8.2, 8.3. That high, huh? Yeah. Wow. I do. I love, like I said, this is my favorite urban legend. These are my favorite looking. Like creatures? Or creatures, cryptids? yeah. Crypt, cryptids, yep. Whether it's the swamp mud monster, whether it's the lizard man, they're just, I love things that come out of swamps. Mm-hmm. So it would be really cool to see. But at the same time, I would probably have like a fucking stroke if I heard like something rise up out of the water. Yeah. And imagine if you were just standing there taking a break and then it just walks up behind you and you can't hear it. And then you like turn around and it's literally at your back. And you couldn't like there's no winning this fight. No. (laughs) Even if it's like fighting an alligator, right? There's no there's no way that a human is going to beat uh, 
like a reptile of this size and magnitude. No Wait, shot. Now I just thought maybe it was attacking the cars because it thought humans were inside of it and it wanted to drag the human back to his tree like he did with the uh, Native Americans. Oh, shit. The, uh, the bear tree. Yeah, maybe he was just attacking people to take them and drag them back to do whatever lizard man does to you back at his tree. Maybe he's trying to turn people into lizards, like a werewolf if they get bit. Yeah. Oh, man, we just opened up a huge jar of worms. That's even scarier. Okay, if I got attacked by this thing and it started dragging me back yeah. to oh. its home. Mm-mm. You could hear my screams from hundreds of miles away if I that could, were the case. I could hear your screams in Connecticut if you were in South Carolina. Like, oh, Easily. Ty's getting attacked by Lizard Man tonight. Here we go. So, guys, uh, that's our episode on the Lizard Man. We hope you guys enjoyed that one. Slide into our DMs on Instagram if you guys have any suggestions for us on future topics. Um, also, another fun fact, Ty, found out that The Nun 2... Just got cleared by, I think it's Warner Brothers who does that series. Um, but it just got cleared, and we're going to be getting that movie within the next two years, I believe, which I'm super pumped about because I love the first one. But when you see The Nun in Conjuring 2, that was literally probably one of the scariest moments I've ever had in theaters when it was down the hallway. I've said it before on the podcast. sent a chill down my spine that I haven't been able to shake since. Could the first movie have been better? Yes, but I still enjoyed it. So I'm really hoping they bring The Nun into like modern times now. I might be in the minority here, but I loved the movie The Nun. Really? I fucking loved it. I loved the old Abbey that it was filmed in. I loved the Italian um, father, the Italian padre who went there with the young nun. Um, I loved all of what they did with The Nun and how it was like a trapped demon and, right, that and was Jesus' cool. blood was like the the seal. That yep. was cool for a movie. I think my problem was we just didn't get to see the nun enough, you know what I mean? Like it was more of them walking around the Abbey most of the time. We saw the nun plenty in that movie, and it's the opening scene that gets me every time where she's looking down the hallway with the noose around her neck. Oh, and the camera like does a 180 or whatever the hell it is. And it's the the candles go out, but you can still see the face. Yeah. Just the face. It's in the window, right? After she jumps, it like walks up to the window. And then the words come up the nun with the super creepy deep fucking music right and then remember that thing like the uh when they get to the abbey and there's that old lady who's with the black veil over her head sitting in that chair and she like crumples into herself she's like a corpse a talking corpse yeah brutal yeah you know maybe i gotta rewatch that one on the uh same track of movies i just finished two different documentaries on shutter they were Outstanding. It's called In Search of Darkness. So it's In Search of Darkness 1 and In Search of Darkness 2. And it's all about the rise of 80s horror. Oh, that's dope. So they talk about almost every single movie that you have ever heard of. And then a lot of movies that you haven't. And then how that progressed and influenced horror today. Oh, yeah. Didn't we want to do an episode on that? Just talking about like the horror genre, like horror movies in general and how we got from jaws and texas chainsaw massacre and now we're up to uh insidious and conjuring and paranormal activity well if we didn't talk about that before we're definitely going to do it now because that's a dope fucking topic yeah because then you got to throw in like all the original point of views like uh blair witch project and that wasn't even original there was some in the 80s oh yeah that's right which is insane oh yeah hmm. um but it's great if you guys like horror at all if you guys like the classic horror movies and villains like Jason, like Freddy, uh, like Hellraiser, Michael Myers, Pumpkinhead, whatever it is, you guys would love this documentary. And if you've seen it, 
slide into our DMs and let us know and we can have a little discussion on it because it was outstanding. Also, if you don't have Shudder, why you listen to our podcast, right? You should be getting, you should have Shudder before you're listening to our podcast. $7.99 per month for the best streaming service you could ever want. It is simply Netflix, but horror movies. Um, and then other than that, you guys, um, we are going to be having some merchandise coming out soon and we will keep you guys informed when we get the stuff in and it'll be for sale in our shop. Um, you can just find the link on Instagram once we finally get it. So, uh, just circle back occasionally onto that and hopefully we're going to have a very spooky episode coming to you next week. Um, I got a terrifying topic regarding world war two coming at you next week. And as always, we're the Brown Bros, and we're coming to you from the grave.